The content of this episode should not be confused with treatment advice or direction given from a mental health professional. Nothing contained in this podcast was made or intended to supplement or supersede relations with mental health providers or treatment. While Jeremy Levitt is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a mental health provider in this podcast. The same is considered for any professional that may appear on the show. Their views are solely their own and do not reflect any company or profession they may represent. Welcome to Mind the Gap, where teens have a voice and parents learn to listen to that voice. Here we will talk with teens about their everyday challenges and accomplishments and learn what they are facing daily and what their needs are. As parents, we will learn valuable skills from a licensed marriage and family therapist on how to be aware of the gap in communication and close that gap. Welcome to Mind the Gap. I've had a topic that I've been thinking about lately and it covers quite a bit, but what I want to talk about is perfectionism, either the lack of or the ability to strive for perfection and the damage that that can cause. As a mom, I'm always concerned about pushing my kids maybe a little bit too hard and them feeling the need for perfection or even myself, the need to be perfect and the possible damage that that could be causing that's deep right there what you just said like it's uh you know pushing your kids towards that is one thing but i you know i haven't really even thought about that in myself in a long time is like what am i modeling for my kids that may be telling them that that's deep yeah that's that's something we probably all struggle with to be completely honest i know for a fact that i'm hard on myself on many things and to consider what that may be doing to my kids if they were to see that that's uh that's something definitely to think about isn't it yeah because i we we gotta do a lot of self-reflection right as parents and our kids are constantly watching us i find my daughters mostly watching me because we're both female and i watch them watch me Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because i see them mimic some of my behaviors and so i've got to keep myself in check with the way that I'm behaving and when I'm saying something's not done correctly and then I see my daughters trying to mimic that behavior I think to myself man I need to maybe take a step back and do some better teaching I'm the same way I've caught my nine-year-old my nine-year-old boy saying I don't want to eat that because I don't want to get fat (laughs) and that was straight out of my mouth (laughs) do you see your mom doing this Austin do you see her her beating herself up yeah, I think my mom gets on herself about like her parenting. She's always talking about like, I try to do this and I try to do that. It's like, well, you're doing a good job. You don't have to just stress about it. Just chillax a little right, bit. Race's allowance now. Chillax. chillax. I like that. That's a good word. Chillax. I'm going to learn chillax. to chillax. Chillax. There are medications that can help with that, but <laughs> let's avoid those. <laughs> so when you think about perfectionism, I'm interested in what Austin thinks. See, when he, when, if I was to say, hey, Austin, you know, if you had a friend that was a perfectionist, what would that friend be doing? What would that friend be be uh, not doing? Like, what do you see or what do you think when I say perfectionism? Well, when I think about perfectionism, I think about it less with a kid and more like with their parents. If their parents see that they're not getting straight A's or they're not doing this, they're not doing that. The parents are the ones that are going to kind of get hard, be hard on them and push their kid to new limits and when the kid doesn't even want to be like that. The kid doesn't want to have all that stress, but their parents put it on them. 
I think that's like really true, Austin. If you think about that, I don't think we're born that way. Like if we're going to be a perfectionist, it's because somebody taught us to be that way. So that's very insightful. You're absolutely right, Austin. You know, if I'm working, this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to put a blanket statement out there and I don't generally do this, but it's a very general statement. But if I'm working with a teen in my office, which I get to do a lot of the time, there's this joke that therapists have. And it's almost like cliche, but the joke is it's, well, it's always the parents. It's always the parents. It's always the parents. And it's kind of true. There's always some dynamic there. Um, And maybe not just the parents, but adults in general, people that have power over that young person that have kind of created that dynamic. So I think it's really important to to point that out, out, Austin. I'm glad you did that. A lot of this is coming from us as parents. I think we, sometimes we take our children's innate desire to strive for greatness greatness which striving for greatness is great striving maybe even striving for perfection is okay i don't like that word perfection but like striving for a 4.0 is not a bad thing right but the problem comes when our worth gets attached to that action or that result that is what perfectionism is on one level how do you feel about that sherry i think you're really close because when you were saying that, I was just envisioning me parenting five different children. And I was thinking about my daughters and the fact that they dance. And they they want to do specific things with dance. And I push them only – I mean, let's be honest. I don't actually know anything about dance, which is hard because I think, how can I push them? How can I make them – you know, work harder, be better. But I think it's actually a great thing because I don't know a whole lot. But when I see them, I, I want to see them being the best, you know, like any parent does. And with the boys and their activities, I want, as a parent, you want to see your kid be the best. You don't want them to see them sitting on the bench and never getting minutes on the, on the playing field or whatever, or, you know, in the corner where nobody can see them. I think secretly that's everybody, every parent's kind of going, oh, why is my kid over there? You know, we want to see them be the best. It's really interesting because when I think about that and my therapist hat being on that, that's very interesting because that dysfunction is coming from the parents own feelings of shame and not being good enough. That's probably really true. Right. Like I've caught myself doing that. Like we're going to, this is the prime example. We're going to be late for church. Right. Is being late for church such a bad thing? No, it's not. But I don't want to be that guy that has to walk in with my kids in a little parade down the aisle to get into a pew after the service has started. So that but that's my insecurity, right? That's my dysfunction. And because I act the way I act, I'm my kids are learning that. My kids are learning that, oh, it's not okay to be late. Maybe it's good to strive not to be late, but if I'm late, it's not such a huge deal and it's something I can work on and and correct over time. So, Yeah, I I even see myself um, with the kids in school with our grades, like we're talking about, yeah, we want them to shoot for great grades. But And if they don't come home with something that's, you know, perfect, your first instinct is go, okay, like, what did you do wrong? But I try and keep myself in check most of the time and go, okay, that's, that's fine. That's great. Let's see what we can do next time. And what can we learn? Work on that. Yeah. 
Except when she texted me yesterday saying, why did you get this score on your test? I did. Oh, is she in infinite cavernous, like, stalking you? Yes. She gets all the uh, notifications. All of them. I do, and I think I need to delete it off my phone. Have you, Has he given you reason to stalk him? No, but it's just... It pops up on my phone, so every once in a while I just get rid of that. Just for you're raising your I own just, anxiety. But the, you know what's funny is I was talking to a friend the other day who has infinite campus on her phone, and we had this exact same conversation. We get these notifications. We're like, "Why do we do this? We know our kids are smart. We know they get good grades, but when yeah, something they pops they up, figured out. Yeah, and but we do this as it's to ourselves as parents because it is the fear of I think failure. The fear of failure comes in in so many aspects. I think. Some of our own, I think we've talked about this, some of our own fears of failure are carrying over into our parenting to our children. And we're worried about them failing and we don't want them to fail because it's a reflection on us. So I have an interesting thought about that. And I don't know where it is in the scriptures, but somewhere it says the sins of the fathers will be visited upon the, the, you know, up into the seventh generation. Every time I read that, I think of this particular thing. The things I'm doing to my kids now, they will do to their kids, and they will do to their kids. And so it's like, holy cow. Can we just like – we as parents have to be aware enough to break this cycle. Like we can't – now, granted, we're not, we're not perfect. I hate that cliche saying, but we're not. And if we don't pass this negative thing onto our kids, we're going to pass another negative thing onto our kids, and it's okay, right? Maybe our kids will be the one to break that cycle. But it's it's interesting, you know, you're talking about the uh, the kids are, uh, you know, like striving towards greatness and, and getting good grades. And, you know, I think a lot of kids struggle with this idea that my worth is tied to what I do, how I perform, um, what do I what and what I accomplish. I mean, whether that's valuable to you or not, I think it kind of just reiterates this fo- this point that. I think us as a culture and us as a society really focus on this idea without even realizing it that somehow our worth is tied to all of these things that don't necessarily even really matter in the long scheme of things as far as worth goes. And I think we're, we're toxic with our children when we do that. We're, we're perpetuating this idea that, I'm, that, that their core value lies in the things that they do. And that's just, I mean, that's the furthest thing from the truth. When I work with uh, families and, you know, not that anyone's ever doing it intentionally, but I just really feel, feel for these families that are struggling with this stuff. And it's also on the flip side, great when we can start ripping some of that out of them. And then you think that this perfectionism or these high expectations, which we can talk about expectations in a second, but these expectations are pushing these kids and these families to greatness and in reality once they start ripping that away that's where you see some real growth because it's self-motivated it's not you know uh, the most confident people know who they are and they achieve great things Um, I don't think there's confidence in that perfection the kid might have a 4.0 and be going to Harvard but they're still insecure Right, because there's always more to do. Because their worth is tied to whatever the heck they do, or whatever the next thing on the list is, and it just makes me sad. Yeah, I have a question for Austin, and and how you see how the youth see themselves with their peers. Is there a need to be perfect within your friends and within your peers? I think like other people's expectations and views on you are everything. Mm-hmm. 
this age, like, I don't know an exact number, but from like 12 to 18, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, like this age is like when everybody just cares so much about what other people think and what other people are doing. And so people all kind of conform to like the same little thing, same little, I don't know, cliches of like how to live and how to be, how to act. And um, that's just what I see around my school. And I think Austin, I, I think you're a little bit more self-aware than most kids your age. And I think I, I really admire that about you, but I guarantee you, you see these kids that if they don't have, I mean, I think it's worse in more affluent areas to be completely honest in these, you know, these private type schools, but even at your school, um, guarantee you there's these kids that, you know, the thing they want for Christmas from their family is this thing that is going to help them feel like they fit in or that they, they want a hydro flask or they want, you know, that's perfect. Right. Like they, because if they don't I want AirPods, yes, the new AirPods, like they, and I think maybe, maybe the word is that they compare themselves to each other a lot. Would you agree with that? I do very much. So, yeah. And do you feel that, I don't know, let's talk about like even academics. Do you feel like there's competition? Uh, competition to be like your ranking in your class. I, I, I mean, like, there's this term that we used when I was in high school, and I guarantee you, you guys don't use it because it's not cool enough. But lying to kick it. Lying to yeah, kick like it? People would lie to kick it. You know what that means? Sorry, I don't. I, I'm interested. I want you to try, try to guess what that means. Lying to kick it? It's probably like you lie a lot to make yourself seem like you're cool. Yep. Seem, yep. yep. And that still happens. We don't call it that, though. We just call it being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> love it just being annoying but that 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 even that idea these kids are like oh yeah like i got this or i did this and sometimes they're even lying about stuff they're like why would you lie about that that's like exactly <laughs> i hate that oh you, like ro- there was- you robbed the 7-eleven yesterday great like like there was no point in you making up that lie like we don't even think you're cooler because of it right if, even if we believed it I, and i think a lot of that comes from this these unhealthy comparisons and these expectations and this perfectionism that's just seeping in i i don't think it's this culture in particular but this age group maybe because it's always been a problem there's this cool thing when you start to graduate high school and you move on you start to realize how much none of that stuff mattered and it's so freeing it's so true and how do we teach these our children and their friends and their peers that it doesn't matter you know once you leave this age group and you once you leave high school you really do leave it and it develops some of your personalities and you know some of your traits but it's really not that important. I mean, how many people look back and go high school was the greatest time of my life? I mean, I actually really loved high school. I had a great time. But how many friends do you still have that you're close to from high school? You'll be shocked. You have a lot. A, yes, there is a core of us that still hang you out. We are get awesome. we get together every year. Yeah, I have none. <laughs> yeah. Wait, like none, none? I like my cousin married one of my friends. So I know her. Um, and I know I still have people I talk to that are, but we're not hanging out. We're not, yeah, that's I don't true. know their kids' names or anything. <laughs> like, yeah. That's like, how do, you know, so I try and tell the kids all the time, like, once you get out of high school, it's just so different and let's just get through high school, have a great time, but let's not let it define the rest of your life. Yeah. So there's, 
a few things that we could be doing. And, and you hit on one of them at the very beginning when we started talking is just like, what are we modeling to our kids? You know, there's a difference between between saying you've got an F what's wrong with you or uh, compare that to focusing on the behaviors that got them there. Like, you know, I noticed that you're not doing your homework and you're playing video games instead. Like that's the pointing out the, the, the behaviors isn't, I mean, hopefully the kid can handle that better, but there's a few things you can do. Um, there's a difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset is I'm no good at this. A growth mindset would look like, okay, what could I be trying? What could I be doing differently? Like if we can talk like that as adults to ourselves in front of our kids and as well to our kids, that's going to help them avoid that pitfall, right? Of perfectionism. It's going to help them move through it. You know, I guess everybody at some point in their life is going to be a recovering perfectionist. Having that fixed mindset just is no good. So really focusing on that. And so when they think it's the end of the world, start talking to them in the growth mindset instead of the fixed mindset, right? And I know I was there. I, I can't even remember what, what grade it was, but I failed. The only time I ever studied, I don't study. Just the way my brain works, if I study, I fail. And I learned that in high school because I studied once and I failed. And I thought... I, <laughs> just once. I, just once. I've never studied again, ever. Kids do not... My brain works differently than yours. Do not do that. I bombed this test and I thought it was the end of the world. One, I have anxiety anyway, so I catastrophized it, right? Without having all the information. I didn't have and I didn't know that, that that exam was only worth ten percent of my grade and blah blah blah. And I had an A to begin with, so like the lowest I could get was like an eighty nine percent. And my mom spoke to me and she said, Jeremy, what she's stronger language than this. She didn't swear, but she goes, basically what what does it matter? Even if you were to fail this test and fail this class, what does it matter? And she really worked through the growth mindset with me that, okay, so maybe you have to take a summer school semester. So what? Then what? Right? And just kind of walking me through that it really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. A lot of kids with anxiety and perfectionism tend to catastrophize everything. So walking them through that. Um, encourage yourself and your child to think differently about setbacks, criticism, and failure differently. Instead of thinking of mistakes and failures as signs that you are lacking, choose to interpret these signs that you are learning and indicators that you may need to change your strategy or increase your effort. My favorite quote ever goes right in with that, and it says, progress, not perfection. Right? And if we can just help our kids maintain that mentality, it man and if you want to think about it one way you're, that you're creating a kid who is well-rounded and it's going to change the world to be completely honest because those are the people that go into these companies and make the changes they're not perfectionists they're striving for greatness and their growth they have a growth mindset not a fixed mindset here's the one that most parents have a hard time with this other idea that i that i thought today I wrote this down it says recognize and challenge somewhat impossible or, or somewhat impossibly high standards and realize that you or your child may be overestimating mistakes and failures. I'm guilty of that. I say push, 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 push. Overestimating the failure. I'm creating the anxiety in my kid because I have overestimated what the cost of this failure is going to be. And sometimes we even need to let our kids feel that failure. Like failure is the best teacher, to be completely honest. So... We do that a ton, and that's something we as adults and parents have to challenge. That is not even necessarily for the kid to challenge. 
and it goes right on with it. Just be a role model. Model the behaviors you want with your kids. You don't want to be so hard on yourself that your kids learn that behavior. I think maybe it would be helpful to talk a little bit about what the adverse or the converse of what perceived perfectionism is. You know, when I was a young kid, perfectionism was almost like it was an insult, but yet I was jealous of that person. You know, that the, the valedictorian, like we always saw them as perfectionists. And in reality, a lot of the times they're not actually perfectionists. They're just healthy strivers. Right. So we have to be careful with that word, right? We got to really know what we're talking about. But then there's that other added, the kids that are seen as lazy or unmotivated or difficult to work with. A lot of times those are actually the perfectionists because they feel the expectations are so high. Why try? I gave you an example. I don't think we recorded this example. I think I gave it to you. We talked about it before, but you know, I used to have a six pack. I used to be ripped. And, uh, when I was a teenager and I've done enough damage to my body at this point where it's probably never going to happen again without some help and some surgery. Right. So why try, why go to the gym? Right. That's perfectionism. And I don't think we recognize that in our kids. I don't know. How do you feel about that, Sherry? I was just thinking like, how do I, I, I mean, I see that in myself. I've done that numerous times. I mean, say working out, same thing. Like I used to ride my bike every morning and then I found out I had arthritis and it was really hard for me. So now I'm like, why even go there? Because I haven't, I stopped riding and now it's like, I can't ride, you know, the 15 miles that I was riding every day. I, the doctor said I could only ride five miles. So for me, it's like, why even, why even go there? So I was thinking about that with the kids. Like how many times do I do that? When I see them not doing something, reaching up to their potential, how many times do I focus more on the them not reaching that potential than, like you said, focusing on just the growth and helping them with that, you know, and what am I, what am I modeling in my own behavior to them? Austin, I'm just curious as what you see in your own life and in our family situation, do we push too hard for you kids to strive for greatness or where, or where is the, the fine line between, like we talked about pushing you to reach your potential versus expecting you to be perfect, I guess. Well, I think there's a good balance because my dad is kind of wants us to be perfect, you know, like those expectations to be so good and perfect at all these things we do. But then my mom, I think she recognizes that and she's like, no, it's okay, it's okay. So then it kind of like, if you blend it together, it's like right in the middle. So we balance each other out. I wonder, I wonder if, I want you to think about this, like, well, you have five kids. The line's going to be different for every single one of them, right? Each one has their own personality, whereas you know you can push Austin a little bit harder because you know he can handle it and he's not taking it personally. That's the problem is that when we take it personally. Um, and whereas maybe one of the other kids, you know, it's you have to really rely heavily on the growth mindset and and focus on that. You know, there's a there's a few symptoms i guess or things to look out for um with kids that could kind of tell you if they're struggling with perfectionism and one of them is that they take criticism personally right so like the line may deal be different with every kid right so here's some signs they're dissatisfied with the standard of work others view as acceptable acceptable or even exceptional here this is me procrastinates until 100% sure of what to do and or how to earn a high grade on the assignment. You know, when I turned 12, 
at church, that's a, a threshold where you get to start helping with the sacrament service. And I didn't pass the sacrament for six months because I'm a, I have high anxiety and knowing now I was a perfectionist. I needed to know all the information and how to do it perfectly before I would ever consider sitting down and doing that. Um, avoids answering questions in class for fear of being wrong. Uh, avoiding risks. Not doing tasks that they fear will not do them right or well. Getting upset when grades are lower than expected. Struggling to cope with mistakes. Takes criticism personal, personally. Works slowly to avoid mistakes. That's something I probably should be doing. Uh, <laughs> next one I should also be doing. Fixates on neatness and appearance of work. Or starts over repeatedly. There's a good healthy mix there of those kids that are overly pushing and the kids who are pulling back and not doing anything. I love that list. And, you know, look at yourself too. Like parents, like, are you doing any of those things? And if you are, you really need to be challenging yourself on those. And to be quite honest, you know, when I recognize a, a few of these things in my life, I felt like I needed to apologize to my kids. I felt like I needed to take accountability for that. Because one, that's just modeling more behaviors I would like them to do. And two, I did. I had some accountability in some of the reasons they were struggling. So, you know, it's, maybe it's time for some healthy, healthy self-reflection, mom and dad. Like, what are you doing? And kids, teens, if you're listening to this, um, this would be a great podcast. If you feel like your parents are, are having a hard time with this concept in particular, man, ask them to listen to it if they haven't. Um, create that open dialogue. Tell your you know, they only have half half of the power here. You, you're old enough to take to your parents what you need and to communicate what you need from them if they're not doing it in a way that's beneficial to you, right? And I hope that you have a family dynamic where that's possible. I know that that is not always possible. I know sometimes family dynamics, quite frankly, suck. And you don't feel like you can do that. And all the work is on you to overcome your perfectionism. But if you have a family uh, dynamic where you can talk to your parents, tell them what you need. Um, my favorite formula when talking to your parents is three things. Tell them what you feel, tell them why you feel that way, and then tell them what you need. I feel, why, and I need. And if you can talk to your parents about this, this would be amazing. I'm interested, Austin, do you ever feel like your mom has pushed you too hard? Um, uh... Put them on the spot. You put me on the spot. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you could come up with tons of areas you felt like you pushed them too hard because, you know, mom guilt is real. Mom guilt is real. It is very real. Push me too hard. Let me think. Or maybe not even just you. Maybe in our family, like if any of the kids. I'd be curious to see how you see as parent. You know, another way to think about this. So thinking about yourself or any of your siblings where do you recognize what subject matters do you or they have the highest anxiety? What do they worry about the most? Uh, maybe probably the instruments that we play. Okay. That's probably one of them. Like my sister Remy, when she doesn't practice, mom kind of flips her switch, starts pra like get practicing. Like you can't play. Like, I mean, not that you can't play, but like you've been working on the song forever. Because if you would just practice it, you'd be good at it. Mm. But she just, the reluctance to actually get on the piano and practice. Same with my brother, same with my other sister with violin. So do you think that mom's pushing too hard? Or do you think that mom needs to amend her approach to her push? 
I, I, me personally, I don't think she's pushing too hard because I, I think the exact same things. So I'm like, you also on. are more mature than them, though. You have reached true. a higher level of maturity. But I do like the idea of amending the approach because it does it happens often in our family. I mean, like I said, Austin, he loves playing the piano. Right. He, from the time he was little, loved it, and I never had to ask him. And of course, he's my oldest, so I thought, well, everybody else is going to be this way. Everybody else is going to be easy to play an instrument or whatever. What would happen if one of them decided, nah, no, I don't want to play piano. They came up tomorrow and said, you know what, mom, I'm done. I'm not playing piano anymore. They've tried that. And it's not <laughs> we worked. haven't let them quit. <laughs> They've definitely tried. I The kids do a lot of things for themselves. They do a lot of sports. <clears throat> they do a lot of activities. I love to hear them play. And I I love that they're developing a talent that they will be able to use the rest of their life. And so... Um, I have so many friends who have said they quit yeah. piano and they regretted it. Mm-hmm. I quit piano. I regretted it. I wish that I could play. I actually started taking piano lessons with Austin years ago. I quit when I was pregnant with one of my children. I was too sick and I haven't started back up because fear of failure again. I love when they play and I when they do learn a piece and this is they've all told me when when they finally master a piece, they love it and it feels great and they love they love that. So I have to say is that one of my kids was actually kicked out of his Halloween recital because he didn't know his piece. It's a good natural consequence, though. That was a great natural consequence. But for him, he couldn't have cared less. So it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't motivate (laughs) me at all. That made me really mad. How do you not even care? And here's me going, I've just wasted three months of piano lessons. Have you played, you know... But I, I love hearing them. And yeah, I, I do know. And I, I do know, like, if they want to quit, some parents said, just let them quit. Let them quit. You know, and I go, no. I was actually playing piano last night at my friend's house. And his little brother, I think he's like 10 years old. He was like, play, play, play. He kept telling me to play all these songs. And then he's like, yeah, I used to actually be pretty good at piano too. But then I quit. I was like, well, why'd you quit? He says, I don't know, but I'm going to get back on it now. Yeah. So I'm not going to challenge you in that because I think there is a value in pushing kids through their comfort, discomfort, right? Their own fear of failure. There may be a point with some of your kids where you have to judge, okay, is this me continuing to push is going to damage the relationship and is it worth it? Yeah, I definitely do that reflection often because that's the last thing I ever I want to do is I value my relationship yeah. over the them playing the piano. But And if it came to that point, I... I would hope that I would understand my child's need, but I do. I think it's laziness and they get away with not practicing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I understand that and I go, okay, that's fine. But like my daughter who wanted to play the violin, she cried for probably three years through practices, cried. And I thought, I kept thinking to myself, what am I doing? You know? And finally she learned to play. And she finally likes it. You know, she can sit and play and she is so glad that we got through those years that were hard. But then sometimes I push and I'll put in a little plug for Lindsay Sterling because she loves Lindsay Sterling and she listens to her. And then I catch myself saying, oh, I'm sure she practiced every day for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. You know, I find myself saying that and I go, why did I say that? like, I think as long as you don't turn into Michael Jackson's dad. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to find the balance, right? It can't be life. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because that does happen, right? 
But, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm working with parents that are struggling with some of these same questions, I always say, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking them to try. And if they keep pushing, then maybe ask them to commit to trying, giving it their all for a certain amount of time. And if at that point you still don't like it, then we can talk about finding you something different. But you have to push, you have to help them learn to push through the discomfort of it too. So there is value in saying, no, like you're not allowed to quit because, well, you could teach them all kinds of things. You've committed to this amount of time. You've right. Like there's, you know, that's a useful lesson too. Yeah. So how do we find the balance between reaching for greatness and striving for perfection as parents to our children? I I think probably a good 60% of that is you're modeling the behavior for them. And the reality is, is when I know who I am and I know my value, even if my mom or my dad are pushing me to be perfect, it doesn't matter at that point because I'm solid and secure in who I am. Very rarely though, do we get an adolescent who already has that figured out. So we are like, as parents, we're kind of stewards of that process So the fine balance between striving for greatness and perfectionism, striving for greatness is goal-oriented. Perfectionism is expectation-based. And expectation is either I do this or I'm this. Either I get this test perfect or I'm stupid. Right, And it all goes back to that concept of shame that we've talked about before, um, that their worth is tied to what they've done. And so as parents, I think probably the best thing we can do to help walk that line, because it is a very fine line where you're one second, you're fine. And the next second, now we're dealing with perfectionism or unrealistic expectations, um, is helping your children know their worth, not, and it has nothing to do with what they do, what they say, what they wear, what they think what they have accomplished, what their grades are. It has nothing to do. Brene Brown has this beautiful quote. And Brene Brown is one of my heroes. If you guys have not seen her, watched any of her videos on YouTube, watched her on Super Soul Sunday with Oprah, or read any of her books, this woman is brilliant. One, she's a, she's a psychologist, so she gets it. And she's done a lot of research on shame and perfectionism. But she's real, too. And she's going to tell you about her own struggles, which I just think I love authentic people. But Brene Brown says this, perfectionism is not self-improvement. Perfectionism is, at its core, about trying to earn approval. Most perfectionists grew up being praised for achievement and performance, grades, manners, rule-following, people-pleasing, appearance, and sports. Somewhere along the way, they adopted this dangerous and debilitating belief system. I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. Please perform perfect. And I think she's 100% right. Uh, There's this brilliant philosopher. His name is Adam Miller. And uh, he wrote a whole chapter in a book. The title of the chapter was Work. And the whole chapter was about how we have to separate our worth from what we do, from our works. And uh, that's, I think, what Brene Brown is talking about right there. I think why I think that is difficult for us in this culture where most of us are Christian uh, and if not Christian, you know, anybody who's religious, their culture would struggle with this is somehow secretly deep down on the inside. We feel like God judges us by that too. And it's not true, at least in my opinion. And so if we can really just kind of get to the core and understand what's really going on, we are, we, we're going to have a much easier time of helping our kids get through that. Yeah. I think it's really important to emphasize 
to our children what their worth is, that it's not based on their accomplishments. Yeah, also, do you see yourself or your peers struggling with feeling their worth towards within their families, with their parents, maybe? Yeah, I know people that their worth is completely based on like how well they perform in the sport that they play. That's their like, whole I- identity. Yeah, exactly. Like if I'm if I suck today in my game, then like what am I? Like football is like who I am, or lacrosse, or soccer, or something. You know, it's like well, if I don't perform well and I don't like win these awards, I don't win these games, I don't score all these points, make all these great plays. Then, like, then, then, what's the point of? Anything Let's take else? it another step further. If I don't have a hydro flask, if I don't have these shoes, if I don't have this shirt, if I don't drive this car, if I don't roll the bottom of my jeans up, a right? Bit. I don't get that. Any well, it's not flooding outside, so why are we? <laughs> You're gonna have to explain to me these tapered pants one day too. Maybe it's because I'm a fat guy, and so know. I'd never look good in them, and I'm a little jealous. But <laughs> the tapered pants, man. We did tapered pants when I was going to school. Yeah, they're bringing stuff back. A long time ago. For better or for worse. Either way, they're bringing it back. So I'm wondering, Austin, do you ever feel or do you ever see the negative? Like, do you ever see the damaging effects of this at school or even with yourself or your friends? Yeah, actually, like people, like when I talked about the sports example, they'll be like so hard on themselves and so down when things aren't going their way in that certain thing that they're doing and they're like, it just completely affects their whole attitude, all their body language. And it's like, dude, you got to relax a little bit and just let it go. It's and if the they path. don't, like I guarantee you it affects their game. Exactly. No, it does. That's like, that's kind of where yeah. I'm leading to. That's what I'm thinking about in my head while, while I'm talking is that people, while they suck, like let's say we're at a tournament. And you play like three to four games a day, maybe even more, maybe like six. And if in like the first game or the second game, they play like they play not to the level that they wanted to play or they play pretty bad, then the rest of the day, they're just out of it in a bad mood, bad attitude, and it affects like their whole persona, the way they interact with like their teammates, coaches on it's the destructive. court. It is destructive. Well, as parents, how, and I think they feel a lot of pressure from the parents, right? Performing for the parents. And bragging rights at school or coach. Like, coaches can be pretty damaging too. Yeah, that's true. But the fear of like not performing the highest ability that they can. I mean, as parents, we want our kids to always perform their best. But even us as parents, we don't always perform our best. And is my best good enough? Like, it never will be. So, yeah. And I don't get told off as a parent when I'm having a crappy day. You know, I don't have anybody judging me and telling me, well, you didn't do your best today, you didn't try your hardest. You know, so Austin, what what can we do as parents to help you and youth feel your worth outside of performing, whether it's grades, music, sports, I mean, any, you know. I think just giving kids credit when credit's due. Pointing out the positives. Yeah, exactly. When they do a good thing, don't like pretend like it didn't happen or if they do a good deed, let's say, or they do the dishes without asking, even though like that's your expectation, just like give them credit for it and make them feel good. I also add in there, like don't judge their actions, judge their intent. 
we're most of us are guilty. You know, I want you to judge me by my intent, but my, my actions, but I'm going to judge you by your actions and not your intent. Like we're all guilty. So maybe do that with your kids for sure. No, oh, I like that a lot. And I think that is true. It's important to point out the positives and not just always focus on the negative. I mean, we, as parents, and also, I don't know if you know this, the parents, we do the sandwich effect. It's something that we, I'm going to tattle on our, all of ourselves really quick. We say what you did great, and then we get to the core. We have constructive criticism and say, okay, you should probably work on this. And then we follow it up with, it was great, you know. We learn it from all of our friends and other uh, our peers who say, oh, well, it's the sandwich effect. And you go, oh, yeah, I know what that is. So psychological uh, uh, organizational psychologists, they're psychologists hired by companies to figure out how to get the best out of their employees. Okay. They've come up with four to one, the four to one magic ratio. There needs to be four positives for every criticism. And that is like the magic number that people... They respond better to that. It actually actually makes changes and effects based on that, like the four to one ratio. So maybe that's a good place to start. And that one needs to be sandwiched in there too, probably. Right? Yeah. And when people are just like, if you switch the ratio and you make it like one to four, one positive to four criticism, eventually it just like piles on you and you just stop caring. And then it just stops. Then you stop caring. And it's like, well, I'm no good anymore. So. What's the point? You know, of trying? I know I had asked Austin about seeing the detrimental effects and I guarantee you he's seeing it without knowing it. And I know, you know, Sherry, I know you've been seeing it. I think this is probably one of the top causes of suicide among youth um, and adolescents, to be quite honest. Right. Not just youth. The, the higher rates of depression, it's feeding anxiety. It's feeling feeding substance abuse. I think. If there was a trend to all the kids I see in my office dealing with any one of those things, there is some level of shame and perfectionism going on. Because I don't think we can separate the two. If there's perfectionism present, then there's also shame. And perfectionism is the shield we hold up to protect ourselves from shame. Brene Brown says perfectionism is the shield we hold up to protect ourselves from being seen. Because we are so afraid of being authentic and vulnerable. And so we put up this wall of perfectionism and it's one of our shame shields is how she talks about it. Yeah. So I think it's really great for us as parents to be, to do self checks and be aware of where we're at in our lives and what we're modeling to our children. I think it's important that we, we just keep ourselves in check with our kids because we don't want to push them to limits that they're unable to come back from because they're our life and they are what's precious to us. And I, they need to know that and they need to be very aware. One way to do the self-reflection parents is just kind of look at your kids and look at them each individually and, and kind of see where are their anxiety levels a little bit higher. And it could just be, you know, biochemistry there, but it could also be maybe you could see where you're being a little bit more in that expectation mindset, that perfectionism mindset rather than that goal mindset with them. So that might be a good tool for you to like, just see where your kids have a little bit higher anxiety and then, you know, kind of focus on that on, in, in your world and say, okay, am I, where am I at with that as far as, you know, their accountability and how I'm speaking to them and, and all those things. And am I, do I have a fixed uh, perfectionistic mindset or do I have a growth mindset in that, in that area? We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, we can be found on Facebook at mindthegap-teenstalkwelisten or on Instagram 
at mindthegap.welisten.